0: You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urbanski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Daryl Urbanski here, and thank you for joining us today today. Um, today we've got a very special guest. We have Dimitri. Oh, I might have to redo that Koz Kozlov. How do I pronounce it? yeah. Kozlov. All right. Dimitri. So Dimitri and I have actually known each other for, for quite some time now, and we've worked together on a number of projects. He, I'll talk about some of the technical stuff. I mean, he, so let's just go through lists. First of all, he's a very impressive entrepreneur himself. Yeah. He's got a very well, uh, well, reputable um, digital marketing agency called Vision Tech Team. Um, His list of clients is just the who's who in a number of different niches. It's all thought leaders, speakers, guys doing uh, six-figure, seven-figure launches and sales per year, Um, but he's also someone that is – He's a really dear friend to me, sincerely. Um, he's been there for me through some good times and bad times. He's helped me out with projects where we just were suffering with tech help and not getting what we needed done, and he would just jump in, and he just really knows what what it takes to be successful. He's, again, he's the guy that the gurus turn to. He's the guy that's behind the scenes, working on a lot of their marketing campaigns, campaigns and the stuff that you see. Uh, a lot of that stuff has been Dimitri's work. And now he's even uh, gained more of my respect and admiration because he's developed a Maverick, Next group, which is for young entrepreneurs, 25 years uh, of age or younger, and he's really helping bridge the gap between what he sees these super successful people and what they've accomplished and helping young entrepreneurs who are struggling, and he's trying to build the bridge between those two, and he's just outside of being a phenomenal human being and someone who takes pride in his work and is known for doing top quality stuff, he's just a really good friend and someone that I I value and appreciate having in my network and someone that I think um, for you to sit in and listen to us talk for 30, uh, 30 minutes to an hour would be of immense value to you so Dimitri, how are you doing today
1: I am excellent Daryl thank you so much for that introduction I'm, I'm honestly uh, flattered thank you really really appreciate it grateful to be here
0: yeah well it's true and you know and it's something that um, has happened for me too, it's I think we just get so into just doing and you know, in our projects and that that sometimes we don't really stop and look at what we've accomplished and um, all that's real. So that's all from the heart. So um thanks, awesome. man. Thank so you. how did you even get into what you were doing? Before you became like an online marketing kind of web web marketing guru that nobody really knows. Um, how did you even get started or what were you doing? Kind of what was your journey that you started sure. off with?
1: Yeah. Um sure. So I'm trying to decide on, on where to start here. So um, so I was born in Russia, and when I moved to the states when I was seven years old, really, um, really opened my eyes to, um, you know, I don't want to say be cliche and say open my eyes to opportunity, but open my eyes to to how you know you could have a totally better way of life by just having a, um, but just having a different perspective and and really uh, really seeing this country for everything that it had to offer. So when I was pretty young, um, I started doing just random little entrepreneurial things, like started uh, shoveling driveways or like. Like buying things at yard sales and reselling them. Like 11, 11 or twelve years old. <laughs> yeah, um, the same thing. I awesome. yeah, so started to get into some of that stuff and just just realizing that like you know anybody anybody in this country can really leverage the economy and and, and go make some money and that is a good thing. Um, got my first job when I was thirteen. Really was just just uh, always just ambitious and wanted to wanted to find a way to take care of myself and, and make money. Um had uh was involved in my first tech startup when I was uh when I was sixteen, did not really work out well and that really turned me off of business and entrepreneurship for a while. Um so then when I was in college, um I actually kept doing the snow shoveling thing in the winters and, and finally that turned into a real business that, that started to, to make some good money and I, I hired some friends. Um <laughs> but it wasn't until um it wasn't until I got into direct sales and network marketing uh for a short period of time in college that I really started to study marketing. Um and then, then really uh, you know, started. You know, I I, uh, I built myself a blog to to try to generate leads because I was sick of the whole contacting friends and family thing. Um, and that turned into uh, other people in the company asking me to, uh, or other people in that industry asking me to to build them blogs and and uh, lead gen resources. Um, so I started doing that and realized I was making more money offering the service than I was <laughs> of actually doing what I was doing. So I started doing that for uh, for people in that industry for small businesses. Uh, just playing around a little bit with. With WordPress, using some basic technical and design skills, um, and uh, eventually that turned into you know when I shortly before graduating college, starting a full-on agency, uh, hiring somebody, um, and then uh, and then really really going full-time and, and uh, full force with that. So that's really how I got started. I Even mean, before I got into um, everything I'm doing now, so both both at a very young age and then kind of restarting again in college with some of the more online marketing stuff.
0: Yep. And, and I mean, what is uh, one of the things I want to ask, like, how did you even get involved? Because you're connected with some very powerful people, some very, very, very successful business owners. I know together with work that we've done, we've done seven figure uh, funnels before together. Um, How did you even get into that? And what were some of the challenges? Did you have any challenges when you were first trying to figure out like how to make it work? And what are the components and all that? Or can you maybe just talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, so um, just through through building an agency, I started doing some work with some internet marketers. Um, what really got me into the higher level networks, I would say, and there were a number of things. There were a number of things that I worked on just from meeting people on Facebook, but uh, it wasn't until I went to uh, Underground Online Seminar 8, which was uh, Yannick Silver's like big internet marketing event at the time. Um, and I was 23 years old when I went to that uh, and just met a lot of really, really incredible people and realized that the skill sets and the resources that I had developed up until then – um, could really help them out at a you know with you know adding a ton of value to what they're doing um, so started working with with higher level businesses from that and uh, just really really I mean the biggest lesson there was just putting in a massive amount of effort and commitment um, and and not letting my ego get in the way and and uh, really the more uh, the more committed the more I learned the the better uh, work that I did for a lot of these kind of bigger gurus in the industry and that translated into uh, referrals upon more referrals, upon more and more work, um, really started to figure out all the operational challenges, hiring hiring more people, scaling things up. Um, but really that's that's how I got into into that whole world is, is first going to underground, really showing up um, and uh, and and do my absolute best when I was given any kind of opportunity to to work for somebody that was uh, that was a big name or somebody that wasn't a big name that could lead to any kind of bigger relationship. Uh, so before you know it, now literally with our agency, all of our clients are, are people who are considered visionaries and and doing in- incredible things in the world, and mm-hmm. um, and it's it's an honor to to be able to um, create something that helps them get their message out.
0: Right. No, exactly. And that's that's a big part of it, too, because I always tell people a lot of times when they're building their funnels or they're trying to build their marketing that it's often the copy. And then I used to say web, but something you really helped me discover is not even just web design. You can get like lead pages or unbounce, or whatever, and make a page, but it's the tech behind the web. It's making that stuff work and sing together that that's really a lot of the magic that, that um, happens. And those are two really big bottlenecks. Man, it just sounds like, yeah, you just jumped in with both feet and started working like like balls to the walls from beginning to end. Now, were you seeing some commonalities in all these funnels and launches? Were there are there lessons learned? Is it like a is it kind of a template system or a repeatable process? Do you see what are kind of the cornerstones of a lot of these campaigns you're helping put people together that are getting the messages out and generating these these huge huge numbers of revenue?
1: Right. Well, I mean, there's usually standard launch formulas. Which honestly, I'm less less of like the expert in that area because we've got we've got people that do that now. Um, but you know you have the standard launch formulas of, of you have a uh, you know you have your lead magnet then you have your tripwire then you have um, your actual upsell then you have all these different directions you can take people in there are more upsells or continuity program um, so there's usually some sort of formula that people follow right. um, but we're, our company so far at least has been less about okay let's plug you into a formula and more about okay you already know what you're doing as a marketer. Let's actually make it a reality. let's make it look really good. let's let's do everything we possibly can to to maximize conversions along the way outside of obviously everything that they're already doing with with their copy and with their product offers. Um, and and really just making all of that work and flow well both from a technology standpoint and from a design standpoint because working with with higher end clients, uh, you'll know, really want things to to stand out but still convert really well. So having that overlap of, of uh, marketing expertise, as well as creative design, as well as uh, uh, technology integration.
0: Well, that's one of the things that I love working with you because for me, that's exactly it. I have all the, like I'm a marketer and I have all the formulas in my head and I knew what needed to be done, but it was making them look good and making them work right that really did cause the the, the hiccups and getting that technology to work. Are there like any common uh, bottlenecks or challenges that you see with a lot of your clients when they're trying to implement a lot of their marketing? And that's something that like your agency tends to tackle or take on or to?
1: Um, it, it really varies a lot, um, especially because of the level that we work. There's usually um, there's there's all different kinds of challenges because most of the companies they're they're either seven or eight figure businesses, so they've got a lot of customization that that they have, and oftentimes it's really really sometimes the challenge it becomes a lack of lack of simplicity when you're just starting out. Um, or even vice versa, right? When you're just starting out, you want to go make things really complicated because you see what all the big gurus are doing. In reality, when you're just starting out, all you really need is, is a good offer, a good squeeze page um, or, or, or a good squeeze page, a good, good offer on, the, on either the other side of that squeeze page or through some sort of sequence um, and, uh, you know, and just something that, that first works and sells in the marketplace right. um, rather than even, even asking the question, okay, well, what are the, you know, what are the big gurus doing and, and how can I replicate that? Very oftentimes they're so much further ahead than where you are starting out that there's there's only so much you can learn from them based on based on where you are. And then you really just need to focus on what, what's working for you in the marketplace right now.
0: Right. And I love that you mentioned that because that's so key and that's so critical that people often, they see like someone doing dumber, double backflips, somersaults off the springboard into the pool. And they want to do that too. When really it's just about getting, you know, I'm switching analogies, analogies from swimming to, to football, but it's really just about getting the ball past the line, right? Like it's just about getting the ball past into the end zone. And so it doesn't need to be super complicated. You just said it right there. It's a, you've got, a squeeze page, you've got your offer, which is your order form, you know, some sort of sales presentation. And it's just a matter of building the list and getting them to buy your stuff and getting your numbers down really, really well. And then making sure that you have something that can satisfy a large number of people. Now, I know right. on the back end of my course, some of the stuff I talk about is that where people shoot themselves in the foot is that they design their business structures so that way... They're they're already limited before they even get off and going. They're only able to serve five people. They're only you know like they're at a cap that's not scalable. That even like if they even if they had everything working for them and there was a potential of seven or eight figure businesses that they don't actually get there because they can't. They just can't – they can't fulfill that many orders. Right. So um, no, I, I really appreciate you bringing that up because it's – the fundamentals are often fundamental for a reason because they really get you past the goalpost. Now maybe um, – I want to talk about your career a little bit, but we, t- we talked about this a bit earlier. I wanted to get your opinion on this because you've got such an amazing group of young entrepreneurs together. I was fortunate enough to meet them in Chicago, some of them anyways. And I wanted to say, what do you see as, like, the difference for when you meet, because you've been in rooms with some very powerful people – and then you meet these young entrepreneurs, and can you talk a bit about like the gap that you see, or like the skill sets that are missing, or where you see maybe the younger people have more energy and ambition, ideas, but lack the confidence and the resources and the know-how, and you know, like, can you just what do you right. see? Is that
1: right? Yeah, I guess what's really awesome about about young entrepreneurs, oftentimes that you don't see with uh, with older, most successful entrepreneurs, is this um, is this yeah super high level of of passion, and sometimes almost like um, how, how do I say this? Not not like uh, not being blind in a negative way, but just not knowing what they can't do. So they end up oftentimes accomplishing so much just because they, they just dive into things fully with that with that passion to actually create something really meaningful. Um, so so there's a lot of that versus uh, with older, more experienced entrepreneurs. Um, sometimes there's because of their experience, uh, there's oftentimes more reservation or more hesitation of diving into something fully uh, to create something. So there's definitely that balance where there's, where there's a lot of wisdom on, on the, you know, the older, more successful entrepreneur side. And that can all be passed on to, to the young entrepreneurs, which makes them even more powerful. But at the same time, what I love is seeing the collaboration of that with, with the youth and passion and energy of the young entrepreneurs, as well as the total open-mindedness. Because um, you know a lot, of these, a lot of these guys that have built really big companies, even though they, they, they have an idea of how things should be done, And sometimes that can actually be dangerous because uh, how things should be done for them is based on how things were done in the past. And the world is changing so quickly right now that oftentimes a 21-year-old tech entrepreneur actually sees the world in a greater reality than uh, a 40-year-old entrepreneur that's looking at the same marketplace.
0: Right. And you're, that's, that's, you, you hit the nail on the head. That's so, so true. That's what happened. I always use the example of newspapers, but that's what happened to them. They knew the business they they were in or so they thought, and then they, this, you know, all these blogs and this internet thing came out and they had no idea what they were like, what, how to fight it because they didn't really understand what it was they were really selling and what they were up against. So I think you're right. I think that that's, that's both a trapping and it can be um, liberating because when you have the wisdom, you can, you know, you get greater, higher success levels or what is it? Um, more frequent success with every attempt, but at the same time, yeah, there's a lot of missed opportunity. And I think I know what you mean. Jim Rohn has a quote. I forget how it is. I'm going to butcher it. But he's like, um, if someone's going the wrong direction, they don't need motivation because now all you have is a motivated idiot. Yeah. The idiot is to turn them around and point them in the right direction. And that sounds like what you're trying to do with your Mavericks Next program. Is that correct?
1: Uh, well, sort of. I mean most of the Maverick Next entrepreneurs, so they're young entrepreneurs are 25 and under. They've already got six-figure-plus businesses um, and so that's a they're a very, very rare breed. Right. Um, so I work with entrepreneur, young entrepreneurs outside of that as well. But but they're a very rare breed and they're very special to me. Um, and, and the really, really cool thing there is they've already accomplished something really significant for their age. I mean, they've accomplished something really significant in general to be mm-hmm. uh, an entrepreneur, build a six-figure-plus business. Yeah. But especially for being 25 and under. Yeah. Um, so what's really cool there is they've already got this platform and foundation for success. Right. Uh, but at the same time, they're not... Uh, they're not burnt out. In fact, they feel like they have a much greater chapter to write uh, for themselves. So what we end up doing is connecting them with not only peers to help them support them along the journey, because that's really important, but also these high-level mentors that can pass along that wisdom that we talked about, that, those experiences, that, those contacts, uh, to be able to take uh, these young entrepreneurs who already have the energy, a lot of the skill sets, and understanding of how the marketplace works and really amplify either what they're currently doing, or, or giving them the opportunity to start something new that's even more meaningful. That's it's a much greater chapter than anything they've done to
0: date. Mm, got it. Got it. Got it. Now, do you see them? Like, do you see a lot of these entrepreneurs making similar mistakes or challenges that they're having?
1: Uh, young yeah, entrepreneurs definitely. Um, like one really big one is is all around hiring, right? Um, is is and I've gone through this a lot myself, and I've seen so many other young young entrepreneurs go through this. Is uh, w- when is the naivety that goes into first hiring people? You think, okay, well, I'm hiring my first few employees, or I'm hiring you know a, a couple more people. You just have this natural level of trust. You're like, oh, I like this person. Let's hire him. They 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 can do what they say they're going to do, and you end up paying the money, which a lot of young entrepreneurs don't have a lot of cash flow to go around, mm-hmm. um, and they don't they don't fulfill on what they think they're going to do, and they say, well. Maybe I'm just a bit better off as a solopreneur, or maybe I'm just, you know, I'm I'm not meant to have a team or I'm not a good manager, or whatever, and these these stories and lies that they tell themselves. Um, but but none of that is true. The reality is that they're just they just made a mistake, which almost everybody, especially yes. you know, entrepreneurs, end up making those hiring mistakes. And there's there are systems and processes for proper hiring. You know, there's there's interview processes, there's things like wealth dynamics and Colby. And um, and enneagram and all these tests that you could put people through to see where not just whether they'll do what they say they'll do, but whether that person's personality and strengths and 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 core values really match up with the position that you're looking for. And sometimes they don't, even if they have the necessary skill sets. So all of those pieces, right? That all of that is wisdom, right? right. You, it requires you requ- you need to know a lot of that stuff to be able to to properly hire people, to properly onboard people, to properly manage people. Um, so there's a lot of these commonalities and mistakes, but I would say that the biggest one is hiring, um, hiring, and then and then bringing on the right people. Another really big one is just uh, is pursuing things, and this is almost like the the dark side of passion is pursuing things that just don't work in the marketplace because you're so excited about them. And, and with, young people, with young people, it happens even more often. They saying, well, well, I'm so excited. I'm, uh, you know, this, this is totally going to happen. I've got this app idea and, and why wouldn't everybody want to use blah, 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 blah. And I've, you see that so many times and they'll pour so much time and energy and money into building something that just won't become a reality. So, so there's always having – the lesson there is always having this balance of really testing things in the marketplace mm-hmm. and seeing what works and seeing what gets a response. Combining that with your vision and knowing that you can create a wave in the marketplace that may not already be there. But if you don't get some sort of response based on what you're doing, it's probably not really a viable business. And, and you, should, you should not necessarily give it up but look to tweak it in a way that the marketplace does respond.
0: Right, uh, right, so That's
1: right, those, right. those are the two, two really big – commonalities that I've seen more and more of.
0: That's awesome. That's so awesome. Now, how about yourself? What were kind of your biggest challenges that you in your business career and how did you overcome them?
1: Uh, for me, it's definitely been, uh, it, it goes back to partially that hiring thing but trust. So just being a very, very trusting, uh, open-hearted person and then getting getting screwed over in the process mm-hmm. and then not wanting to go back and say like, well, I don't want to not be trusting, right? right. Um, and realizing you could totally be trusting, you could totally be loving and and all of those things, but at the same time, you can be firm in how you do business, and and you can say you can say no, or you can say um, you can, you can make the decisions that are right for your business, and not have to save people by you know giving them a job or uh, or you know becoming their client or taking somebody on as a client or whatever whatever it might be. Right? Is 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 uh, for for me definitely that biggest lesson has been being firm while still leading with an open heart and with love and and total trust.
0: Got it. Yes, I I had this phrase to me prop, uh the, the most eloquently way was a stern but loving parent. Right. That's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That stern but loving parent. That's awesome. Okay. Right. Another another
1: uh, Jim Rohn quote, I believe.
0: Is, yeah, it's either Jim Rohn or Dan Kennedy or one of those guys. But I I, yep. I have a lot of Jim in me. I love Jim Rohn. I have awesome. like such a man crush on that guy. I just I love his brain. I just. Wish...
1: I used to uh yeah when I was younger that was actually another huge part of my story. So when I first got into uh, into the direct sales world, um I started listening to a lot of personal development and, and almost every Jim Rohn program, Tony Robbins program, Brian Tracy program. And that's another huge lesson is like like study and learn. I mean, I was I was totally broke. Um and nothing that I was doing was really working at the time. And I was so committed, I was like there's I would drive back and forth to class and and just have audio books on in the car and just always listen to this stuff. And I just absorbed it in such a deep way that it it became an evolution of my being. And then when I first finally started making money with my business, um, all of that was only possible because of the person that I'd become through that, that commitment of years of not necessarily getting the results but committing to that process.
0: No, I think that's a really important thing because when you accept taking being a business owner, an entrepreneur, you really have to work on yourself because I think that being an entrepreneur is almost kind of Shakespearean because in all of Shakespeare's works, the main characters always fell victim to their personal flaws. Right. And so I think that that's almost the same thing in business, Mm. right? If you, if you aren't careful, if you don't refine yourself and culture yourself and improve yourself, it's going to bite you in the butt, right? Like if you have really bad habits in any way, that's. Yeah. And then, and then the other thing that you talk about the hiring process, that's such an important thing because you can't do it alone. And I am, I just keep having to learn this lesson over and over and over, but you really do need to surround yourself with other people who complement your weaknesses, right? Because you just, there's way too much going on as a one-stop shop. You hear about guys like, I know Alex Mondosian one day wanted to be like the first billion dollar home-based business or whatever, you know, but it's just, it's a tough racket to try and do it all on your own. And why? I mean, uh, Jim Bunch, who I also did an interview with, You know, he hit me hard with this one quote where he was like, Daryl, you know, the name of the game is not to to be to see who can outwork the other guy. That's not the name of the game is who can outwork the other guy. It's who can get the best results. Right. You know, and so I I agree. I think that what you brought up is a really, really powerful point. I think that right now, just the thing about keeping it simple and really if people, if you have something that's of value to the world, delivering it to them and just having a simple process to do that and making sure you do the research in advance that you've got a market and not being married to the product, like those are huge, huge, huge lessons that I think are hard for some people to really like learn. Like, yeah, 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 I know. Right. But to actually like, like get it and know it. Right. Um, Yeah, I think that's huge. And and when you – you know, I felt that was me when you're talking about you're such a nice, loving, open guy. You want to help everyone and and just you get walked all over and it's kind of a – it can be scary because it's kind of like how do you be authentic to yourself but then still have like that business face on? Right, right.
1: It becomes important to just really set boundaries and create your own personal rules and values and and really just work with – I mean the core values have been huge in terms of both the companies that, that I've been working on. And uh, like we, we do a lot through our core values, but then also my personal core values and, and do the people that I work with align with, with how I see the world. And, and if they don't, then it's not, they're not bad people. doesn't mean that I don't like them. It just means that I shouldn't necessarily go into a partnership or relationship with them um, or, or any kind of like business association because I know that that can leave me in a position where I don't, either don't go in with a full, open, trusting heart or I go in with that, and I might end up getting burned because there 's not an alignment of of uh, who we
0: are right 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 right, very, very, very good stuff, very, very powerful. Um, so, what would you say to anyone who's listening to this who's kind of getting up and running and they're struggling and maybe they've been hurt by business, either by a bad business deal or they just poured so much of their life and their heart and soul into something that didn't work out? Would you have any advice to them if they're struggling or just trying? Yeah, to-
1: absolutely. Firstly, be willing to be a beginner again. Um, don't, you know, t- take the less, take the good stuff and the lessons from any experiences that may have seemed negative for you and look at that as part of your journey to get to where you are today. And because you had that experience, because you had that 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 part of your journey that may may have been tough or may have been a struggle, um, you'll be better off in your the next phase of your journey. So don't close off, stay totally open. Take those lessons, integrate them into what you're doing. But don't stay. Don't 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 get jaded. Don't say that because my business failed, entrepreneurship doesn't work, or because my my because this person screwed me over. That means that I'm not meant to have partnerships, right? Or because. Um, you know this. This developer didn't do his job right. That means that I can't ever hire coders, and I should just learn how to do this stuff myself, right? Don't take those as lessons. Those that's that's somebody being being jaded, right? Because none of those uh-huh. are truths, of course. Uh-huh. Those are, those may have been truths in the moment, but they don't apply to the larger marketplace. They don't apply to everybody. But maybe you take this idea of okay, well, I the developer didn't build what I expected him to build. The lesson from that that I can take is well, maybe I need to do a better job vetting my developers, or maybe I need to do a better job um, uh, specking things out, or maybe I need to have a higher budget, and I need an investor next time I do this. Whatever it might, whatever it might be, right? Same thing with partnerships. This partnership didn't work out. It doesn't mean that partnerships don't work for you, and you're not meant to work with other people. It means that you need to have. Now you realize that you can't just go into a partnership blindly and you really need to have a process and a contract and make sure that, that you two have complementary strengths, not just wanting to build the same thing and so on and so forth. So yeah, to anybody that's that's either been burned or has had a tough business deal or has had a failure, look at those, try to find the positive lessons out of those for how you can improve next time and then don't let the feeling of that failure or, or of that, that, that hiccup um, leave you jaded at all um, so that so that you're moving forward with a positive attitude and even more lessons and you're more empowered than you were before you started on that journey.
0: That is awesome advice. Thank you. Um, no, wholeheartedly. And that's something that I think you've probably learned from being taught by the, the mentors you've had and witnessing these massive seven and eight figure businesses operate. Do you yep. find that there's a commonality... Oh, sorry. Uh,
1: I was just saying absolutely. Yeah, go on.
0: Well, Do you find that there's a commonality in the culture and the the the, um, the approach, the mindset that those people all have in their businesses. I mean, if you're doing eight figures a year, is there a way that they conduct themselves or handle their business? Almost like what you're saying.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Most of them, at least the ones that I know that are more successful, that also have a better corporate culture that have, um, uh, you know, that have more freedom as entrepreneurs. Uh, it, it seems to be that the, the bigger the business, the more simplicity there actually is. Uh, so, so that's, it's not always true, but very, very oftentimes I've definitely seen that where where somebody's a lot more stressed out running a multiple six-figure business and they've got too much going on versus somebody that's running a $10 million business. Yes, they have going on, a lot going on, but they actually have more simplicity as far as what, how they stand in the marketplace, how they have their operations run. Um, they, they usually have some sort of like, I've almost never seen an eight-figure business without a very clear mission statement that they actually adhere to. Or uh, an eight-figure business without very clear core values that they actually adhere to. That creates simplicity, right? Because if you have core values um, and then you hire and fire and make your decisions based on those core values, that creates massive simplicity. Because now every personnel issue, let's say you have 60 employees at that point, every personnel issue is no longer a one-person issue. It becomes a, okay, well, does this does this work based on our core values? Is this person a fit? Are they not a fit? Um, how many strikes? So on and so forth. So they have... They have values and they have systems, Um, so definitely, those are definitely, definitely huge commonalities. And they don't, they don't overcomplicate things in the individual sense because they have a structure that allows them to simplify.
0: I love that. Yeah, can we can we expand upon this a little bit more? I love just when you yeah. talk about so like simp- simplicity. I just want to can can you give us some um, – if you don't have to name names or anything if you don't want to, but can you just give some examples of like something that's really simple that was surprising to you? Like you were like, I'm surprised that it's that simple. That you know they're doing seven figures off of three emails and a sales letter. Like what's up with that?
1: Right. So so even my friend, uh, you know my, my friend that I've been that I've been traveling with runs a uh, runs a seven figure. Uh, info business, he's, uh, he's 25 years old and he's looking to scale up and everything. Then he's got complex campaigns because that's a skill set. He's got like three products and he could scale up probably to 10 times his current size with maybe adding at, at most a couple of products uh, versus on the other side, I've seen people who haven't even gotten off the ground yet and they've got like half a dozen products. And it's like, what are, you, what are you doing? You don't need to create all of those things. You need to create something that works in the marketplace, simplicity, right? And then, and then you need to find a way to deliver to the marketplace in a pretty simple way. Right. Split testing, right? Split testing is one of those really important things. But then on the other hand, I've also seen people say, oh, well, I'm going to go get traffic to this. I'm going to get 300 clicks, and I want to test these three elements on my landing page. No, you're not going to get any value out of testing three elements on your landing page from 300 clicks. What you need to do is, instead of focusing on all these tiny little minor details all over the place, like you think all the big guys are doing that have really big traffic, you need to focus on, okay, what's simple? What's really going to work here? I'm going to put massive effort into writing the best copy I can for the squeeze page, making sure that that converts, right? And and then getting a good offer on the other side of that and then really take care, taking really great care of the prospects and customers that come in yeah. um, rather than thinking that you have to go do everything at once as, a, as either a one-man show or, or a small team.
0: Right, right, right. I love how you said that because I have a client right now A five-figure client that's paid me some well that's paid me to work and they and they are incessantly creating product like incessantly and I'm like dude like we're just we're still trying to scale up the first one like let's get the first one to six seven figures. First and then start building the back end, because he's got a huge market. He's got a phenomenal track record, amazing credibility, changing people's lives, like you wouldn't believe. Um, creating real passive income in people's lives and helping them out. And yep. anyway, but it's exactly that. Like his problem is that he just he just he just wants to be in the studio like recording content. Like that's just yep. yeah. It's exactly- okay, so I
1: have actually a really good example of the opposite of somebody that I've worked with that's done just every single thing he's ever touched has worked so well, but it's always been so simple. And he's not a complicated guy. He's just smart at making simple things work, right? So, um, so client that I work with, uh, Mike Dillard, right? He even be like, before I knew him, before, before I, uh, we started doing any of his tech or design, right? I'd known him as he'd built multiple eight figure companies, right? He built magnetic sponsoring, um, into a $10 million plus company with a freaking ebook and a community, and a good understanding of his marketplace, and like a sales letter, and some affiliates, right? There was not There was not this massively complicated funnel. There was nothing that was like uh, overdone about it. He, there, there wasn't a ton of just crazy, crazy marketing stuff going on, but it was a simple, very simple strategy that grew to, a, to an eight-figure business, right? I had the opportunity to work with him uh, this last February when he was doing his um, his Live Free and Prosper launch, right? And it was all kind of like, we literally put the whole thing together and it seemed like weeks and I'm sure that he'd be be incubating in his head a little bit beforehand, but it was, it was uh, at the time a Google group um, with not even a full membership site, a Google group with some content. Um, And, uh, and I believe that launch did seven figures. If you combine all of the continuity and annualize it, right? It was, I mean, it was awesome to watch and awesome to be a part of. And we maybe split tested like three headlines throughout the time. Right. And it was, it was it was a, a a regular video sales letter page with a headline with a delayed order form and an upsell on the other side, right? And I, I don't I feel comfortable saying all of this because it was all you know it's all out there in the marketplace. That was the whole that was the whole marketing funnel. Now obviously he had um, you know he had an audience, um, and he he already had a brand. But he'd done this same thing even before he had an audience and a brand. Elevation Group, right. pretty simple thing, right? It was you know let's teach. The, these you know black box investment strategies of the rich to um, regular everyday people. Mm. So one product, a single product, ninety seven dollars a month or six hundred bucks a year. And I don't know exactly what the revenues of that company ultimately are, but I know that when I when I was speaking to uh, to somebody, it was uh, it, I believe it was like in the first eighteen months, they did something along the lines of twenty seven million dollars in sales. Yeah, which is just insane. Um, and and it was with this one continuity product, right? Not a, a million different products, a million different funnels, so on and so on. Because the thing is if you have five funnels for a bunch of different products, where's your focus going? Your focus is now spread out among five different funnels. If you have one funnel for one product that you feel super confident about and working in the marketplace and you've tested it, Where's all your focus and energy going? Where's all your team's focus and energy going? Where's all your advertising dollars going? They're going to the one thing that's working and you get to amplify that one thing that's working rather than spreading your resources and your brain out too thin over a bunch of things that maybe one will work sort of and the others will not lose money if you're lucky.
0: Right, 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 right. And the power of that, like, again, that's the same thing. I mean, even with the project we worked on for John, we uh – people listening, Demetri and I, we worked together first time uh, with John Assaraf product. And even with that, I mean, it's, it's, that funnel was 48% of the company's revenue, that one funnel, you know, and it just came out of nowhere, but it was because it was exactly that. There was the research done that there was a large enough audience and I did all the math beforehand and I knew that we had the traffic to make it work and our conversion numbers. And it was just a matter of scaling it out and making sure it was profitable and getting it out to the marketplace. Um, That's, Yeah. That's really well put. I, I just love that. And then the, the value add too is if you have like 12 different products, I mean, maybe if you're just doing your market testing in the beginning to figure out what to run with. Like I did that on Amazon. I wrote three books, put them up on Amazon just figure out which like which topic because each was to me was a different appeal it was like which one did people like the most and one of the books started getting a significant number of more uh, more number of downloads and it was the second book of the three and it wasn't the one i, th- I like thought i was going to make and then i put my marketing power behind that and i got it to hit number one on amazon but it was if i again if i was trying to push all three to am like to number one it wouldn't have worked you had to pick one and then once you've got this following for like you have this massive audience of people who bought your first product now there's still this leg room for a one Oh two and a one Oh three and a one Oh four. And that's exactly what you said. If you just have that focus and that, and that simplicity one, you can implement and speed and build the stuff up so much faster. But the second part of it is that, um, you're not taxed out it's so simple it's so basic and then you can just start stacking on behind it behind it behind it if that first product only does six figures and you've got a seven figure goal well now you know to make a 102 and a 103 and you have a group of people that you can just literally ask them and go hey you did my course what can I help you with next and they'll tell you right and you can just add that and now you've got and that's how these guys get these complicated funnels because they just they just build on top of what's been working and just put uh, yeah I'd love how you put that together to that was awesome I I'm gonna to re-listen to that and take awesome. notes. I really
1: cool. <laughs> awesome, thank you.
0: So, do you have like a favorite quote or and a favorite? Yeah,
1: book. yeah, absolutely. Favorite uh, favorite quote would definitely be um, Steve Jobs quote. Um, and I'll, I'm gonna read the four-hour workweek version because I actually have it have it up in front of me right now. Um, so, Steve Jobs quote about for the past 33 years, I've looked in the mirror every morning and asked myself if today was the last day of my life. What I want to do, what I'm about to do today. And whenever the answer has been no for too many days in a row, I know I need to change something, almost everything. All external expectations, all pride, all fear of embarrassment or failure, these things just fall away in the face of death, leaving only what is truly important. Remembering that you are going to die is the best way I know to avoid the trap of thinking you have something to lose.
0: That is so awesome. I love that quote. I was on mute. I was like, like, I was just freaking out when you're reading that this has been such a tough year for me i've had almost 10 people pass since last november three people in the last six weeks alone but it's wow. it's been it's it's been hard but it just exactly like he said when you realize your mortality man that is just i love that's such a good quote what yeah you've uh j- uh Jim Carrey has a quote. He was like, "My dad taught me you can spend your life doing something that doesn't work and something you don't love, so you might as well chase your dreams." Or something like that. It was like, "You can, you can, you can." Oh no! Is you can fail at what you don't want to do, so you might as well go for what you want. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's such a good quote. You feel you're able to live in that? I mean, I, it's a silly question, I guess, because I mean, you're on your summer trip of traveling across the country. You're still running your company. In fact, you're you're even speaking at an event soon, and you're still networking. So, is there anything? Is that? Do you have like a ritual that you do? Is that like a habit that you, like, are you doing that every morning and waking up and asking yourself?
1: Um, n- not necessarily, but I do, I remind myself a lot that at some point I'm going to die and I don't know whether it'll be tomorrow or 300 years from now or sometime in between, right? And, um, but, but I, I do, I do try to live my life in a way where I, I recognize and appreciate my own mortality and it gives me not only a sense of urgency, but, um, in the sense that I, I, wa- I do want to create a lot more in my life, but it also gives me a, a greater sense of presence because I don't want to miss being here while I'm here, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So, so <clears throat> when I'm, even, even when I'm traveling or when I'm, uh, when I'm with close friends or when I'm working on a project, it, it really reminds me to, to just fully, to fully be there and appreciate the great opportunity that I get to have by living the life that I live. Mm. Um, and, and then I take that that gratitude and, and put it into my work and it makes it makes the work and it makes the creation a lot better when you when you weave it together with that gratitude that you have for life and also that that knowingness that at some point you know whatever you build will fall apart and be meaningless and it, ultimately, the work of art that you 're creating is for you it 's for other people to appreciate, but the reason that you 're doing it is, is for you because this is what you want to do with your life.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's actually really really profound. I'm listening to some Clement Stone stuff right now and he had like a like a daily, I'm just starting to figure out about it, but a productivity and time management thing. He was an early riser, but then he would t- take a break at like noon and go for a swim and then he'd come home, work for another hour or two and then he'd take 2 hours off to be with his kids or his wife. And you know, and like and then he like every night he would go do some sort of community event, but it wasn't it was all not work related, but it really helped him be more productive in his life because it was interwoven with these empowering moments. These- Moments that energized him versus depleting. I think. Right. You're, I think if you're at the end of the day, if you're like just totally sacked and bagged, and not in like the good way, like when you work out and you go home, and you're like, ah, like I gave my all. But if you're just like again so drained that you feel like you're being right. depleted, I think that exactly you're gonna get into a bad ment- mental state, and it's just gonna start creeping out in other ways in your life. Um, and none of the guys that you've seen do seven or eight figures, do they have any of those symptoms at all? Or do you think they figured that out before? No, most there?
1: of them are most of them pretty. At least all the ones I know, uh, mentors that I that I have, and and all the Mavericks that I've gotten the chance to to spend a lot of time with, they uh, they're all really, really. I mean, balanced wouldn't even be the right word. They're very, very intentional about how they live their lives. Um, they're very intentional about how they create their businesses. The, most of them create their businesses around their lives, or or when they when they put business first, it's because their business is their mission and their purpose in the world. Um, and and they really, you know, they're really really intentional and and cre- and and create these these balanced lives that have all the things that they do want and not a lot of the things that they that they don't want. Mm,
0: I think that's really important. Yeah, because here's the thing is that, you know, someone can lay out and give you the path to To make seven figures or eight figures, whatever. But if the rest of your life is not intact, you're gonna lose it all one way or another. Right? Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna drink and drive, and the judge is gonna take it all away because you killed somebody. You're gonna beat up your wife, and you know, like you're gonna like there's all these things that you can do wrong, and in one way or another, it will come back and get you. And I think it's it's important to note as well that you have to work on yourself as you get there because um, with more money, more problems do come. And I think it's also like if you build a house, if you don't have a flat foundation, it might not matter. If you're only going up three stories or four stories, but I think that's why you even say the guys that are able to do the eight figure businesses, it's because there's so much simplicity. And I think that's what provides the framework, like a skeleton that just works. If it's too complicated, there's too many weak parts in the chain and it starts to break down. So um, that's awesome. Um, What are you reading right now, Dimitri? You got any books that you would recommend?
1: Um. Oh, I have so many books that I would recommend. Um, based on a lot of the stuff we talked about today, honestly, my favorite, one of my favorite books that's had the biggest impact on my business life has been "Traction" by Gino Wickman. It's a hmm. "Traction," and the subtitle is "Get a Grip on Your Business." I have. I'm
0: looking at that right now, and it's been on my bedside. Honestly, just, you have
1: to read that book because of not only the impact that it will have on on you and your business, but even more importantly, what it will do for your clients once you read that book. Um, it is like the. Entrepreneurial structure and operating system that you need to go. You need to go from seven figures to eight figures, from eight figures to wherever you want to go. And, and in my case, it's been it's been from multiple six to seven. That's that's our current path. Um, and uh, it's been a that book has been such a blessing. And it has there's a bunch of uh, online resources uh, that, that that come with it as well and, and worksheets and it's really more than a book. It's an entire entrepreneurial operating system for how to how to effectively run and manage a company. Um, so that, that, that to me would be my favorite. I, I continuously reread it throughout the year. Um, I've had my whole team, my whole management team read it. Um, and without that book, I honestly don't know where our company would be. It's, it's always such a, such a powerful reminder to stay on track.
0: Got it, got it. Yeah, I've been using the Rockefeller Habits for the same reason. It's
1: very close. Yeah. Um, so traction, to me, I, as I've read uh, the Rockefeller Habits, uh, just the book, and, um, and, and I've been to, uh, to a full-day session uh, where mm. we had to implement that stuff. It was, this was a couple of years ago. Um, and and uh, it was really powerful. And I found that, that Traction gave a better uh, roadmap mm. for exactly how to implement all of this. Well, Rockefeller Habits was really good. But, and and it was, to me, it was a little bit more philosophy than, than what Traction gave as like a very concrete, like, here are the frickin' tools. Here's exactly how you do everything. And it works.
0: Mm. Uh, so
1: highly, highly recommend it. And, and probably to complement what you're doing with Rockefeller Habits.
0: Got it, got it, got it. Yeah, no, that's it. We'll be, I'll be on it. It's in my hand. So I was talking with uh, Jermaine Griggs about that because I was on the Rockefeller Habit Kick and I showed him my one-page strategic document and it had like – you have quarterly rocks and your three to five and one-year goal and your core values and beliefs and the checklist and that. And he, he was like, wow, I think that's kind of what I'm going through Attraction. He was. That's Dan Sullivan's um, – really big proponent of that book I think his his quote is on the or his endorsements on the front cover and so yeah that
1: would make a lot of sense
0: yeah so um but okay no I'll add that to mine that's I love I love hearing about good book and I have it's right here in my apartment I'm like pacing around my apartment as we talk um it's so funny when you said that because I just looked at it and turned around to like go back into the living room and I was like wait a minute is that the book so I guess that's what I'll be doing over the weekend um. All right, so what are you doing now? I know right now you're really, really into building this Maverick Next. You are such a beacon of light in a dark world of just trying to connect people to empower each other and and change the world and I know that you're really 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 reaching out to encourage young entrepreneurs to step forward Um, and then you've got this group for the six-figure people and up what are you kinda working on now what are your main initiatives Uh, how do people get in touch with you let's kinda talk about that a little bit
1: yeah absolutely so Maverick Next is definitely my biggest initiative right now really changing the model to make it accessible to, to more people um, and, uh, right now, biggest thing that I have coming up is an event, three day event for, for those young entrepreneurs, as well as some guests that are coming, uh, this October 26th, 27th, 28th. Um, uh, so that's coming up literally in like a week and a half. So that's, that's been my biggest focus right now is, is putting, putting that event on. It's really the pinnacle of everything I've worked on so far and, um, and just really excited for for what what'll take place there. Doing anything from all the business masterminds, and workshops, mentorship sessions, as well as some fun stuff like ATVing and and uh, possibly mountain biking uh, tours around Boulder. Um, but uh, outside of that, really, there's um, there's there's a much bigger picture that that I'm working on that that Maverick Next feeds into. Um, and I'm not going to go into the full details of it right now, but it's um, um, basically it's it's something that will. Uh, combine the the passions and and talents and uh and uh, energy of young entrepreneurs with the wisdom and the concrete business ideas and experience of uh, more successful entrepreneurs in an incubator format, uh, where where they can co-create businesses together. That's my my really big long-term vision. Um, is kind of building uh building that up, and I've got I've got an incredible mentor Yannick Silver that's on the um on the, the more successful entrepreneur side of things and, and who has an infinite amount of ideas. And then on my <laughs> end, I'm building, I'm building the young entrepreneur community around that to, to be able to, uh, to have implementers for, for the things that, that come out of that. Um, so I know it's a little bit vague right now, and, and uh, you know, it's because right now it's still kind of in a, in a stage of evolution within our plans, mm-hmm. uh, but that's my biggest, biggest long-term initiative. So depending on when people are, are listening to this, I would love for them to get in touch, especially if they get entrepreneurs and they're looking for something. Uh, they're looking for, for a new business to build that may have come from a, the, the mind or journal of a, a, an entrepreneur who's built a seven- or eight-figure business that wants to just give it to them and, and maybe create some mentorship relationship where they get to build that, that business. Um, that's, those are the kind of people I'm looking for, you know, entrepreneurs that are either, either have something that, that is up and running that they want to um, take to the next level or they want to create something new that's bigger and better than anything they've done to date, whether or not they know what that thing is yet. Yeah, they just have that in their hearts that they're destined for greatness and they want to achieve that.
0: That's awesome. And I know how much you care about people, and I know that you. this is a project that's very dear to your heart. We've talked about it over and over, and I've seen it kind of evolve over the past year. Um, so, I'm sure you'll be successful with it. I mean, you've got an amazing support network. You've got the know how. You've kind of been there, done that before. You've filled everyone else's events or at least helped them design the marketing for it. Yeah. Um, so, I, I have no doubt that you'll be successful. Any way that I can help out, man, just honestly, just reach out, let me know. I'm more than happy to help out any way I can.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate that.
0: Um, so, I guess before we wrap up, I just wanted to ask kind of one thing because you have had a bit of a who's who of mentors. Um, and I'm just kind of curious, what's the what's the best piece of advice you think that you've got? I'd like to close with that.
1: Mm, that's a good one.
0: Um I mean, I don't want to yeah, you because we've we've dropped yeah, so much. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. No, I have I have something coming uh, to mind is just uh, in terms of how how I word it because it's a combination of advice for myself and advice from some of the best mentors that I that have that have had um but it's you know, it really just comes back to comes back to following your heart and doing what you love. And obviously, you know, we talked about combining that with marketplace reality and, and doing something that's that's financially viable and, and, and is tested out there and so on and so forth. But really the best piece of advice is like follow follow your heart and do what you love. Um, because the greatest expression of your love in the world will create your biggest impact, will create the most abundance coming back to you. And whatever it is that you go into, don't, don't feel like you have to wait uh, until some time, until you've built your business to a certain level, until you've gotten a certain amount of skill sets, until you've saved up enough money, whatever it is, to start doing what it is that you love and then be open to the evolution of that love and, and what that will create for you and in the world. So don't, don't ever hold that back. That's, that's, that's by far the biggest uh, biggest piece of advice that I've ever gotten, um, and I've gotten it from, from various mentors, from conversations with really, really high-level entrepreneurs that have helped advise me and, and helped me skip other, what would otherwise be many painful years of my life building <laughs> something that I wasn't excited about, and that, uh, that, that I've just also gotten from life, from, from when I've chosen that path versus from when I've neglected that path and seen the results that that's created for me. Um, it's, it's always been just choose love and follow that.
0: Mm, that's a great message. That's such an awesome message. Dimitri, I'm so blessed to have you as a good friend and companion. And just again, to, for us to have worked together. So um, thank you so much for your time today. I know you're super busy getting ready for everything. And um, yeah, I just thank you again. How, how should people reach out to you? Can we just repeat that again? If well, we'll Yeah, switch.
1: yeah. Best way would be uh, Dima. Uh, it's D-I-M-A at mavericknext.com.
0: Got it. Can you spell maverick uh, next for us?
1: Yep. Uh, So D-I-M-A at M-A-V-E-R-I-C-K-N-E-X-T dot com. That's Uh, that's my best email and I'm happy to put my number out here as well. It's uh, 508-468-8538. Usually email or text is uh, is definitely a good way to get a hold of me.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, Dimitri, all right, brother. Well, thank you. It has been an honor and uh, I'll see you in a couple of weeks, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'll awesome. be back back down in the San, San Diego area.
0: Cool, 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 cool. You've reached the end of our interview. Now, first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second,